One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash pop. Before we begin, I would just like to dedicate this episode to the memory of the wonderfully brilliant Sir Roger Moore, who sadly died this week. Put simply, he was an incredible man and saved Bond during a very difficult time. He will be remembered by everyone with an equal high degree of love and unwavering fondness. In fact, just this week, you may have seen the beautiful story that Mark Haynes of this parish shared on social media. It received thousands and thousands of comments and shares all positive all good all full of love nothing bad which in this day and age is the rarest of things so here's to Roger Moore the master of self-deprecation who will be missed greatly by all nobody did it better Smashpod, the podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. We'll be delving deeply into Bond, tackling a different film each week with an exciting guest by my side. Now, episode 12 brings us back down to Earth from space with a bang or two. Yes, it's for your eyes only. And my special guest this week is comedy writer Eddie Robson in studio. Hello. Hello. Who can be found on Twitter as at Eddie Robson. Yeah, so we're here to talk about Pure Eyes Only. Yes. Um, which I chose to do because you came to me and said, Eddie, would you like to do a Smurf pod? Yeah. Uh, there's only Pure Eyes Only left. So it's sort of a choice between uh, doing a film or not. But it's yeah. kind of the thing is it's not, it's not bad for Pure Eyes Only. I mean, it's actually it's good. It's just sort of nobody's favourite. It's a bit of a weird one. I think it's awkward because you have the grandiose space adventure of Moonraker mm -hmm. and then this kind of goes back down to Earth and it's a bit like Right, we're not having any gadgets or any of that crap. <laughs> we're just having Bond being a, a sort of weird spy sex pest, yeah. <laughs> as he used to be. And it kind of feels like an odd fit for Roger Moore. It does a bit, but it's like, yeah, I mean, my, uh, when I said to my wife, oh, I'm doing Fiora's Only, she said, which one's that? And I was like, well, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of, they sort of almost go so minimal and so the other way mm. that they do risk stripping out any distinguishing features from the film. Yeah. Uh, but 
I have to say, I haven't revisited it because I didn't, I haven't seen it about, I think I saw it nearly 20 years ago was the last time I saw it. And watching it again was, uh, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, it's sort of, it is the cliche of about For Your Eyes Only that, it, oh, it's the back to basics one. Yeah. But it really is in lots of ways. It's the one that everyone talks about as being the serious Roger mm. Moore film, but it is bookended by two of the most ridiculous things yeah. that have appeared in Bond films ever. Which is quite funny because it's sort of, it's almost like this thing trying to surface occasionally mm. in the film, but this kind of the silliness of Bond keeps rearing up and they go, okay. Back in your box and yeah. push it down again. I mean, because the beginning is just bonkers. There is a lot to unpack in the beginning. Yeah. A lot to unpack, actually. Yeah. Because, I mean, one thing is, I mean, we've got, obviously, it's meant to be Blofeld, but it's not said. The, the character's not named on screen or on the credits. Or it was something to like do with that. the rights, wasn't it? It was. So, the, on, on one level, it's obviously like a big fuck you mm. to never say never again because yeah. they know that's happening by then and they yeah. know they're going to have Blofeld with that. Yeah. So, yeah, so they do something quite funny by chucking him down a chimney in the first five minutes of this. Well, you stuff. say they do something quite funny. <laughs> it's uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on, on one level, it is chucking a disabled man down the chin. It um, is, which isn't funny. <laughs> no circumstances should that ever be deemed as funny. Uh, no, but uh, why don't you say that? <laughs> that? That's on you. That is on you. Um, but um, we start at the grave, Bond's grave. He revisits well, his past. Obviously, this is the other thing I was going to say, because on the one level, it is just a bit of daft stuff, but it's interesting that this happens immediately after he's just put flowers on Teresa's grave yeah and I find this interesting for lots of reasons because you've got John Glenn coming into director's first film yeah. uh, in fact uh, um, he'd been on the team throughout the 70s like he'd an been, editor and a first yeah, yeah. Director uh, in fact uh, uh, a friend of mine Steve Lavington who wrote a book on James Bond came up with a mnemonic a handy mnemonic to remember how many films John Glenn worked on in Bond hmm. John Glenn the worst of men directed five Bonds but worked on ten <laughs> Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, he's you know he's not really the worst of men, but he, he, he did do some bad things. But you can actually see that because because he's the first Bond director, he's the first new Bond director to come in since Peter Hunt, because yeah. all the others have been Guy Hamilton, returning people, yeah, just doing it, delivering them up between them. So he's risen through the ranks just like Peter Hunt did, mm-hmm. and it does feel like he is deliberately invoking on a Majesty's Secret Service yeah. as the film he wants to do. So he references Teresa really quickly. Then you've got Blofeld coming back. Actually, one thing that never struck me is that, of course, previous reference for Blofeld being disabled in any way is the end of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. Yeah, my uh, wife asked me that. I said he did get hit in the neck, so maybe it yeah, made him... It almost feels like... I mean, it does almost feel like they're chopping out the whole of the 70s and yeah. just shoving it to one side and yeah. saying, OK, we're going to pick up where Honor Majesty's Secret Service left off. And also the fact that, like, as though it's a cliche that it's the back-to-basics bond, but the, the Cold War stuff all gets shoved aside in the 70s bonds, and yeah. they don't really do that. And it's all these, all the villains are these psychopaths with no country who live on islands and oil rigs and have massive super weapons. Mm. And then suddenly it's bringing it back to the 60s style of it's about the Cold War, it's about tensions between different nations and those struggles. Yeah, it really feels like in this intro sequence, as well as killing off Blofeld symbolically, getting rid of all those psychopaths who we've had from the 70s, so he sort of stands in for all of those and going back to it. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot going on there. You also get the, the world's most dramatic priest. <laughs> yes, I do think, you just think, hang on, is the priest in on it then? Mm. And if so, why? Yeah. Why is the priest in on it? What's he got? Because he, he's given the game away immediately, because he does that very dramatic, I am crossing myself, yeah. you are going to die. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's exactly what you want when you get on a helicopter. Yeah, but I don't know, maybe it's Blofeld Catholic maybe, and he just feels like, well, he should have the last right. Yeah. Like, so, said to the priest, look, we're going to kill him. 
but can you just do this for us? And the priest goes, all right, yeah, yeah, I mean, murder the mortal sin, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> but Blofeld's very respectable, because at no point does he call him James. He's all like, Mr. Bond! <laughs> Mr. He um, to his death, Mr. Bond! Yes, there's a lot of taunting. He goes on for a yeah. long time. He does a lot of taunting in the opening bit. The, hope you had a pleasant fright. <laughs> um, and the one I wrote down here was, welcome to remote control air class. <laughs> What? That's not a thing. No, no, no it totally isn't. Well, he's also he kills his only agent in the helicopter. Who's there from Surrey, isn't he? Is he? Isn't he? Uh, Ronnie, someone's going to correct me. The Smurfs, as I've christened them, very good at pointing out when I get things wrong. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Ronnie Corbett's sister's husband is this pilot. Oh right, okay. I'm um, probably wrong. So. Maybe. But it's about that Blofeld does this. Yeah. Uh, kills him, and this is the only guy he appears to have on staff or yeah. handy. Um, Apart so, from a cat. So it leaves him completely undefended yeah. when Bond then turns round, turns the tables, and yeah. hooks him up. And then, like I say, yeah, hooks him up on the helicopter. And then I, my favourite bit of this is when Blofeld desperately says, we can do a deal. I'll buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel. What? <laughs> what is that? One of those great, it's, it's like that money penny line you were going on about a few weeks back. That kind oh, of the that, yogurt. The, the yogurt one. Yeah. You just got to think. Did this a, is this a private joke among yeah. the writers? It's like these weird Bond lines. And really, is this like a conventional way of begging for your life? Like you imagine Dirty Harry going, "Do you feel lucky, punk?" And the punk going, "I'll buy you a delicatessen." You know? Stainless steel. Because that hasn't quite convinced you. Yeah. All right, I'm interested in the delicatessen. <laughs> is it going to be stainless steel? That's the clincher. No, it's going to be copper. <laughs> but he drops him down the chimney, and then oh, and also Bill Conti scoring this film from yes. who did Rocky. Yeah. And it, I, I've just put here he's taken. Time out from scoring a disco porn film to do yeah, this. My actually, my note that I've got here is it sounds like Jeff Love and his orchestra are trying to play Talking Heads. Yes, no, no very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, the music in this is not great. And I must, I was funny enough on the way here. I was just listening to my CD of Bond themes, and mm. you do think actually, yeah, the music, all the themes are great, and the, and the scores are great up till about the Spy Love Me, and then they kind of go. Yeah. It's, like, it's all right. I don't I mean the song. It did really well. I yeah. mean actually. This whole idea that we have that you see things in the press where people say, oh, the new Bond theme has only got to number 18 in the charts. And they mm. always used to get to number one. It's like, no, only in the 80s did yeah. they used to be massive hit. Um, and also the, the opening credits is a pop video for Sheena Easton. Yeah, it does. I don't know. I don't want to say sacrilege, but it does feel like sacrilege. It does a bit. Yeah, because um, especially as, I'm, I'm not saying that she was forgotten about, but these mm. days no one knows who Sheena Easton is. No, but also it's a weird thing to do. I mean, actually you don't normally put the singer of a theme song in the, in no. the title sequence of the film. They're not a person involved in the plot or anything. I think at the time she was massive though, wasn't she? Very briefly, yes. Yeah, she had that My Baby Works till 9 to 5. Business, yes, yeah. Which makes yeah. me only think of Seinfeld now. But, you know, lots of other people were massive. Tom Jones was massive when he did his Duran Duran were, and they never got in the title sequence. No, but, yeah. but he did get his music video where he said, Bond, Simon Le Bon. <laughs> also sacrilege. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you get the open sequence, and then you get the bit where the guy has to go out for the world's most faffiest fag. In yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing is, I love this bit, because as a kid, my favourite stuff about Bond was always stuff hidden inside stuff, and stuff disguised as other stuff. Yeah. My favourite thing in Bond ever is the basin in You Only Live Twice, that's mm. on the sunken ship. Mm. It's all tilting, and they have oh, to kind of tilt it all in. Man with the Golden Gun. Is it Man with the Golden Gun? Yeah. And right now, I'm thinking, that'll be, that'll be why I didn't see it when I last watched You Only yeah. Twice. But no, I, I have, that's one of my favourite things. And I love that this is apparently a working fishing boat. They've actually got fishermen around. Yeah. And then he goes in. And he's got Stupid fishermen as well. Well, did they not notice them? They all, I don't know. It'd be a bit oh. risky to have fishermen on the payroll, wouldn't it? Getting to sign the official secret. Well, act. these are people who will catch <laughs> a uh, land, uh, you know, a sea mine in a net and bring it in. 
That's true, they do. You're they fucking do. idiot. If you'd have filmed that, you'd have got money from you being framed. <laughs> anyway, they'd have to be on danger money and stuff. Oh, well, this is the thing. I'm, 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 I'm interrogating it too much. And my whole thing that I love about these things is that you don't interrogate yeah. too much. They don't really make sense, but they, I always thought they were really cool. But he goes out for a fag, and then we have to see him go through about three doors. Yeah. And then come back in. Yeah. And then relieve the man who's handcuffed to a computer. Yeah. Why is he handcuffed? I don't in know. case he nicks it. I don't know. If only they'd invented Nicorette during the Cold War, lives could have been saved. Well, not in this case, because there's stupid <laughs> <No>. fish in <laughs> What's that giant thing with spikes? I don't know. We'll bring it in and see what it is. It reminds me of that bit in Naked Gun 2, where they're like, oh, look at this. Someone's thrown away a perfectly good clock. Mm. Oh, that's why, because the time's wrong and then it blows up. <laughs> it's that. It's like, well, what's that? Is it a jellyfish? Mm. Is it a shark? No, it's a fucking bomb. Don't yeah. bring it on board. But yeah, so that is not the wisest disguise. And um, this sets up our, what this film is all about the attack machine. Yeah. Which stand, is an acronym, which I didn't write down. But Bond did his usual Wikipedia download when he revealed it was. But it yeah. sinks to the bottom of the sea. Oh, I love the line that they get in. Is it Graham Crowden gets that line? One of the, one yes, of the it is Graham Crowden. Yeah. yeah. He says to M, oh, it's sunk. And M says, how deep they go? And it crashes through. Not deep enough. <laughs> That's a great line. Oh. John Glenn, he loves crash suits. He does. He uses yeah. them a lot. And I've watched a few back to back lately, and they're in all of them. And sometimes they work, and sometimes they look a bit sort of like they're from a confessions movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then so yeah then they brief Bond who obviously knows about it all already in the way that well, always pisses everyone off a bit yeah yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like I say he's like some sort of walking Wikipedia he's like oh tell me Bond do you know about this bottle of water yes when it was manufactured <laughs> And then he just sits, do you think he just sits at home reading facts? He just reads the encyclopedia and all the kind of briefing documents. Briefing documents that aren't even for his missions, just yeah. on the off chance, just so he can look smug. And it's like, he just sits there boning up like he's going to be on University Challenge. These days he'd probably like watch InfoWars. <laughs> like, yes, I knew about the attack machine, it turns frogs gay. <laughs> what? Sorry, I fell down on Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> um, but also at this point, uh, is it before or after that we see um, Melina's parents be murdered? We by do, him? actually. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm jumped ahead of it though yeah. because it's weirdly after Bond drops not really Blofeld down a chimney see it feels like he's out of the film for ages yeah. which is partly a, a slightly irritating characteristic of John Glenn is that he always there's no sequence that he can't let on, go on a little bit too yeah. long so, you get the yeah. impression that the in my mind the attack machine was supposed to be pre-credits yeah. once all this you know, once um, Never Say Never Again got done they were like right well we're going to stick two fingers up to them and do a Blofeld yeah. joke at the beginning instead you're probably right so we're yeah. going to stick the uh, pre-credits bit after the credits and slow the whole film to a deadly because we have to watch these twats get blown up. <laughs> so yeah, so we see, uh, you have to excuse me, I'm sure I'm going to call her Melania at some point during yeah. this, this podcast, but yeah, Melina, yeah, so she sees her parents getting shot. And we meet the uh, cheeky Jimmy Savile parrot. The important parrot. Who says, uh, give us a kiss. Very important parrot, which will make is haunted by the ghost of sex offender. Yeah. <laughs> give us a kiss, show us your dickers. All right, mate. So we, Melina sees her parents get murdered by, um, what's his name, Hector? Hector Gonzalez? Hector Gonzalez. Yeah, to be honest, like, if, you, if I had remembered the name I could have probably just guessed the name because they've just given him a really cliched uh, South, Af- South American South name American. South African would be even better <laughs> one of my, another one of my favourite things another one where the, the silliness just breaks through all of a sudden is when Bond gets given his briefing pack and it's got a band around it that says for your eyes only just like the title just of this like film roll credits yeah well uh, yeah no it obviously was meant to go into the credits I don't, well maybe. yeah but it's it, yeah one of the one of those Bond titles that just could have been any of them just literally any any yeah 
Yeah. An, another thing it shares with Honor Majesty's Secret Service is that it just could, you could just put stick that title on any of them. Uh, but yeah, M- Melina bothers me though, because her hair is so long. <laughs> it feels like it would be some sort of fire hazard. Yeah. She'd be tripping, she's like the Rapunzel of Bond films. You know what? I, uh, I don't buy the idea. If you'd grown up on boats, you wouldn't have such long hair. No. Because it's going to get caught in stuff, it's going to weigh you down if you fall in, it's just not practical. No. And I must say, I, I feel a bit sorry for her in this, because uh, as a Bond girl, she has nothing to do in the whole film. There's a rough plot about her being like, what was her name, Electra, mm. you know, like getting revenge. And uh, that's dumped pretty quick. She becomes yeah. cardboard Bond girl. I quite like the fact that she's actually, she's not just randomly caught up in it, though. I like that. that oh, she, yeah. She actually, and I, I like the fact that Bond keeps trying to, like, get her to go and she keeps turning up again she just doesn't listen to it which I find quite funny just sort of exasperated by the fact that she just keeps turning up he even quotes the art of war to her he does he does which um, which yeah. sounds funny coming from Roger Moore yeah I know in it's... revenge you must be too brave <laughs> that's one of my favourite I do quite like that though because this is a really good performance I think that he gives in yeah. this, actually and uh, he and I, I like the fact that I don't know he, it feels like they're trying to actually work with the fact that he's quite old in this so he yeah. gets so he get in that scene he, you know he's trying to be a bit wise and like you know he's a man who's I mean, the funny thing is that this is coming from a man saying oh no you shouldn't take revenge it's a bad idea it's coming from a man who just dropped the man who killed his <laughs> wife down a chimney at the start of the film <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, before before you embark on a journey of revenge, first dig two graves, one for Blofeld and one for his helicopter pilot. <laughs> or one for his cat, maybe. Yeah, well, he dumped the helicopter pilot out of the helicopter. Well, maybe he dug a grave for him and then just dropped him in heartfully. It was literally raining men. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Bond gets told to go to Hector Gonzalez's house. Yeah. You know, South American, South American's house, uh, which is the house from Boogie Nights, it felt like. Oh, is it? Oh, no. No, I would have absolutely believed you if you said it oh it is yeah. sexy music sexy yeah. ladies who, one of which turned out to be a man I believe later on oh really yeah right. or, or a man post-op type thing right. which was a big scandal at the time but of course now no one would really care uh, yeah anyway so he goes to this house and yeah it's essentially the house from Boogie Nights yeah. and uh, Gonzalez they, they catch Bond just sort of lurking in the woods like it's, it's a good really this is a really solid bit of crap spying from yeah, Bond definitely. but he just kind of goes oh I'll just sneak over oh they've caught me <laughs> and I like the fact that there's the a real lack of that kind of oh my god you just caught James Bond thing they yeah. just they, they just they look at his weapon and they go oh you're a British spy alright take him off and kill him and yeah. he's just treated like just an annoyance which I rather like like it's just yeah you know we we do this crap all the time and then Melina shoots a crossbow yeah. into Gonzalez's back as he dives in which I liked yeah that is really good just as he's diving mm. and then then you get another crashing with the with the the girl in the pool screaming because yeah. she realizes he's dead. And then they go, run to go and get his cool lotus. Mm. Oh, no, hang on, no, before this, oh, yeah. uh, there's one bit of this quite good. Uh, Gonzalez, in a bit of swaggering largesse, when he opens the box, the case of money, he just chucks one of the bundles of money to the girls and goes, yeah, yeah there you go, just to, yeah. to show what a duty is. He's and then dude. after he's been shot, the guys pick up the case of money and then they take the money back off the woman as well. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I was too busy dancing to the music that comes on. Great funk music. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, as you say, and then uh, this great safety advice on Bond's car. Uh, which... John Glenn thinks it's a hilarious joke. He said that at the time everybody had burglar alarm with that sticker on. Yeah. And he thought it'd be funny if rather than Bond having one, it'd just explode. <laughs> which again is a fuck you to everybody who likes gadgets. Like, you know you loved that underwater submarine in Spy Love Me? Yeah. We're going to blow up no. I slowed this down just to have a good look at it because it's quite nicely cut but yeah. the, when it blows up the guy who's done it is very obviously a dummy yeah. because his legs just don't move as he's blown away from the car he's yeah. completely upright and uh, they have to go to her Citroen 2CV yeah with a bit of comedy music yeah. like a horn 
That's Johnny, that's Johnny, Johnny Briggs. Yeah, that is Johnny Briggs. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you'll have to. Uh, you might have to cut that out or have to pay royalties. It'd be good if Johnny Briggs was in the car. <laughs> Where are we going, James? Can we go and pick up our Humphrey? <laughs> I still have Johnny Briggs. Sorry, I'm going to do a Johnny Briggs podcast after this one. The every episode that and Gruy. Um, so yeah, you have, you have quite a good little car chase. I this is good. I know. I, I actually will stand up for this. I love this car chase. And actually, I know what you mean about like it's because actually this is again this is something which, as a kid when I first saw this really annoyed me that they blew up the Lotus yes uh, because the Lotus is really cool mm-hmm. but watching it now I actually think uh, making him do the car chase in the Citroen 2CV is actually genius because he's got to be really inventive yeah. if you haven't got any gadgets or anything it's a shit car that won't go anywhere mm. so they do all that stuff like yeah, you know, they have to quickly like throw it in traverse go backwards they have to go cutting across down the hills and roll on the roof they could completely trash it I like the bit where they the two cars chase him you manage to make one car crash into the other by yeah. dodging around and everyone in the car I don't I don't know if it's because they're having to put on pretend moustaches because they're all stunt drivers. They all look like sex offenders. <laughs> it's like they're being chased by the League of Sex Offenders. <laughs> like, ah, we are going to get you and we are going to put things in your bum. <laughs> it's like that. They all have these giant moustaches, I guess, because yeah. it was probably the same three stunt guys doing all of the stunts. Yeah. Uh, but it's like this is the French stunt team they always use in Bond films. Remy something or other. Oh, right. And um, they always did really good car chases and stunts yeah. and stuff. And it's a great car chase and then ends with a, a slightly dubious comedy moment where they end up in the tree oh there's also the great bit and <laughs> more so you know thinking about how much Roger Moore was loved this is a classic bit of Roger Moore where yeah. he's driving along the baddies come up alongside him point a gun he looks over does a little double take and looks back and gives him a little smile like alright <laughs> which is amazing I do like actually there's another bit because a lot of the comedy in this film does fall rather flat but I do like the bit where he says that I love a good drive in the country actually not just, not so much for that but for the fact that Melina laughs at it as mm. well and it sort of it does have this nice moment of like it actually feels like they're suddenly having fun <laughs> and then she says go forwards backwards yes which I'm guessing she cocked up on the day but it works really well yeah it does and you, you do can see why they left it in and then um, there's a brilliant bit where she says, I don't expect you to understand. You're English. I'm half Greek. <laughs> what does that mean? You're half Greek. You're not actually Greek. You're not no. fully Greek. That's no. quite tenuous. But she has an accent, so that's yeah. close enough. But again, it, again, it feels like you're trying to invoke on a Majesty Secret Service because yeah. like Bond has a half Mediterranean love interest. But now he goes to see Q. First, we have the obligatory Q gets grumpy with Bond. This again, it's something that used to annoy me as a kid, and kind of still does because like it's kind of also it's part of Q's character. But I used to just go, look, don't fucking give him this stuff if you yeah. don't want him if you to don't use want it. To do, yeah. yeah, we know you hate your job we can see that by your work yeah and the fact that you've invented this umbrella which closes on someone's head when it rains you know, yeah. I, I, I sat there for quite a long time trying to imagine a situation where that might be applied so like we just basically have to get the bad guy Bond goes up to Blofeld and says oh, hold this umbrella <laughs> like, so this is around the time right, of Georgie Markov being assassinated via an umbrella on was it Westminster Bridge right? yeah in the early 80s someone involved in the Soviet Union stabs mm. him in the leg with an umbrella and goes off No one, he didn't even know it happened we have got an umbrella that closes and stabs someone and traps off their head. It's not very subtle, is it? No, it isn't. You wouldn't like be able to walk away from that. Like you've just no. chopped off somebody's head. Yeah, you just you just walk off going, oh, someone should probably call the manufacturer about that. Yeah, uh, but then we go and use Q's amazingly snazzy uh, photo fitting. 
Yeah, which is great. If he struggles to use it, I'm not surprised with his hands. With his gnarls. His massively disgusting <laughs> pig hands. Um, yeah, Bond basically like goes, ah, he's got blue eyes, and then yeah. within a second... But also, like, I like the fact that they walk in and Bond just takes one of the yes. ra- things off the rack, one of those big sort of data tape thing. Yeah. He just takes one off. He doesn't, like, Q doesn't show him which one to take. No, he just it looks like a know. massive roll of movie film. It does. Um, so he's obviously used it before. So obviously he thinks it's the bee's knees. Yeah. Quite understandably, <laughs> because within seconds, he's got the exact likeness I know well it does help I mean I must say a bit of advice here that if you are an enforcer in the East German underworld don't wear incredibly distinctive glasses because that really helps them out doesn't it yeah but you get the amazing moment where Q makes the nose go really huge no it's not a banana Q (laughs) (laughs) that line goes through my head a lot in life Uh, when you see people with massive noses Possibly. I'm not going to say yes or no because people with massive noses will know I'm thinking it A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But then the best bit is when he goes, that's it, that's the exact like this print it out. And when it comes out, it's a photo. Uh, but isn't that because, I mean, don't they have, they have the record, but they've oh, matched yes. it, but they yeah. do have a photo. You're right. But yeah, yeah, but it is good enough to be able to sort of well, it's exactly the, the same. But it's, yeah, but the photo is exactly the same yeah. as, the, as the one that they've come out with. Yeah. yeah. I do like, Sharon, you can go, I'll lock up. I like the little domesticity yes. of, you know. And, and to show you time has passed, Rogers hasn't got his first jacket here anymore yes. his sleeves are rolled up a bit and they're drinking coffee well I'm not sure where the time went no it suggests that there's been some sort of process of trial and error but we haven't actually seen that process also I'm pretty sure Bond gave Sharon a look like while, you, while you're doing this cue do you mind if I just go and bang her over the desk <laughs> well, you, don't, you don't need me for the next 15 minutes do yeah. you I've told you what he looks like just get on with it you fucking fat handed twat <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say that this is Italy Cortina he goes to isn't it yeah I thought that because of the car mm. we meet the third villain in this Bond film we do you've got Julian Glover who we don't know is a baddie yet yeah we've got that Austrian ski jumper yeah and Operation Nutri <laughs> with the uh, figure skater yeah which yeah. is well, a strange decision it is a strange decision I was going to say we've got actually another again like on a massive secret service we're in an Alpine location yes um, and yeah again the Bond films really until until the Bond films came along I don't think we ever knew just how much skiing is involved in mm. being an international spy I, I do like Bond skiing how many films does Bond ski in I can think of at least four well there's 
Majesty's Secret Service, obviously. Yeah. This. Well, there's a Connery one, isn't there? Oh, Spy I Love Me, of course. And at the beginning of Beautiful Kill. Yeah, who snowboards to California Girls. Yes. So, yeah, but we see Melina again buying another fucking crossbow. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this because it's like, you just over, it happens to overhear yeah. her buying a crossbow. And like, it, it, it's lucky he bumped into her in that particular shop because if he bumped into her in the chemist, you'd have just been like buying toothpaste and sanitary towels or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you're just on holiday. Oh, yeah. The goes next door, buys a crossbow. <laughs> I wanted them to say to her, look, just stop buying fucking crossbows, all right? <laughs> Honestly, they cost a fortune. Um, yeah. But he gets attacked by the Krypton Factor. So yeah, how many winter sports can we fit into one action sequence? Um, it, it does feel like they're sponsored by the Winter Olympics Committee. Yeah, and a young Charles Dance. Indeed. I'm yes. not saying he's sponsoring them. No, no, no. I didn't even notice it was him, actually, until the end credit. Yeah, and I thought, oh, maybe I should go back and check who that was, and I couldn't be bothered. But, uh, so that's yeah. him, was it? Right, yeah, it yeah. was Charles Dance. Wow. Uh, in a small role. I think it was his first film role. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you all will. Yes, but so, yeah, these um, <clears throat> motorcyclists attack Molina. Why, mm. we don't really know. No. Do we? But one thing I quite like about about this film is the fact Bond is just being relentlessly attacked mm. yeah, but he almost barely gets a moment to himself without someone from somewhere turning up and trying to kill him so like in a lift someone would try and kill him like yeah. you know, just tying his shoelace on trying to kill him yeah. but yeah so there's an ice hockey the attempted ice hockey murder here he's already like yeah there's a bit in the in the square where yeah the motorcyclist comes in and yeah, I, I do like that bit where Bond goes send the flowers to his funeral yeah, which is a bit harsh it is a bit harsh but it's smooth yeah. <laughs> do you want a note with that no just, just tell him I killed him yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't really know what the flowers are going to be for, so this is all quite convenient. Really. Yeah. It's just tied up nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just going to put them in a the bin, if I'm honest. Um, but actually, can we just go back to BB for a second? Yes, yeah. I was going to move on to yeah, BB. Yeah, Not no, like that. Uh, <laughs> in the, much the way Bond didn't. Because this is the bit that everyone remembers yes. from this film, is mm-hmm. Bond actually turns someone down. But I actually, watching it again, I was expecting it to kind of be more cringy than it is, but I actually quite like BB because mm-hmm. I like the fact that she's so assertive about it. She takes one look at Bond, she fancies a bit of that, and she just goes after it. And I actually, I quite admire it for that. It's like, that's her bag, like middle-aged, suave British men. And then, you know, what's, what's funny is that later on, she jokes to Julian Glover saying that you're too old for me. Mm. And I looked up. Julian Glover's seven years younger than Roger. Yeah, Moore. But the thing that is actually, I, I kind of felt like when you, when you reveal at the end that BB says, "Oh, you know, he basically wants to have sex with me." Yeah, it almost that kind of puts all her previous chasing of men into perspective. Is yeah. that like she's it's like kind of a specific rejection of him that she goes after every other man that she can see. Yes, <laughs> which I, which made it even funny. But she's not an annoying character. There's no. very that could very easily be an annoying character. And she's not an actress, is she? She's she is a figure skater, yeah. yeah, who wants to be an actress. I think she did very well. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. compare this to Madonna and Die Another Day, for instance, mm. who is fucking terrible. Uh, yeah. She's great in this. Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite. I kind of couldn't even remember whether she came back into it later, but she does. But she does. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. But you get the line of a uh, "You put your clothes on and." I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> and he, he also, because um, we meet Julian Glover, he's playing a baddie, and at this point we think he's a goodie, because mm-hmm. he's telling us that Columbo, who I was very disappointed to find out it's going to be Topol and not Peter Fold, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is the baddie mm-hmm. who is responsible for all the evils in the world, and that he is, he is ward mm-hmm. to BB. And he wants her to be an Olympic gold medalist mm. for figure skating. Yeah, which actually is kind of that's a kind of weird little ruffle for it's, it's a weird little foible for a villain to have. He's got yeah. all this villainous stuff going on, but it's also very important to him that his protege wins a gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah, and he's got this harsh, I would say, East European lady looking yeah, after him, yeah. who you think is going to be a kind of Rosa Klebb type character, but turns out to be a heart of gold yes. type character. Yeah, and actually does help them out later. In, so, a, in a scene, which actually means that uh, this is 
a Bond film that does actually pass the Bechdel test, incidentally. Um, is it? Because they do, yeah, Bibi and her trainer, Russian woman, actually yeah. do talk about their routines and things. Oh, yeah. oh brilliant. That's excellent. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll put onto the... Uh, whiff of Columbo. We are. And then Bond has a very confusing scene where Bond witnesses Columbo and his mistress, Countess, yeah, yeah, other, yeah. played by an actress called Cassandra Harris. Who's Australian, as it turns out. And she was Pierce Brosnan's wife at the time. Yes. Uh, and she sadly died of cancer. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I gather that actually that was how she came to the attention of the film's producers, mm. because when they weren't sure if Moore was going to do this, they were considering Brosnan, weren't they, yeah. uh, as a replacement. So they had lunch with him and his wife. And mm. they, he wasn't in it, but they gave his wife this part. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's a very odd thing, because, yeah, I mean, they're having like, a drink on a table immediately opposite yeah. the person we think is the villain. Which is being tape-recorded by Columbo. Yes. Which, uh, at first, I was just like, well, why has he done that? But anyway. So then they have this big theatrical fight so that Bond will go after her. Because he seemingly knows enough about Bond that he will be gallant enough to give her a lift home. Yeah. Which is, you know, fair enough, that's bang on. He yeah. <laughs> he says, take my car. Yeah. And then he gets there and then he's like, mm, I won't be needing you. Going to go and get a... <clears throat> um, and then he, he shags her and she turns out to be a scouser. Or from Mancunian, isn't it? Didn't you? I thought she said she was from Liverpool. Oh, you yeah. might be right. If they, yeah. If but it feels like she's just been put in this film to give Bond motivation to kill hexagon glasses. Possibly. Man. There is generally, I, I've observed, there is a general two shags rule in any yes. in Bond films. So he's got to get, he's not going to shag BB, so he has to get his end of That's true. Else. But also, because I think part of John Glenn wanting to do this film was to make Bond harder. Hmm. And particularly that scene later on we'll get to where he has to kick a car off the side of a cliff. And yeah. uh, I think this is the, this is what we're saying is Bond's motivation for being that callous and cold. Yeah. For, for the hexagon glasses man killing Countess Mancunian mm-hmm. Scouser woman uh, by running her over quite callously. <laughs> yes. And it's a, that's a bit of a nasty bit because she, yeah. she actually hits the windscreen and yeah. bounces off. The good stunt, actually, again. Glenn is pretty good on his action sequence. He is. It's just, it's just a story really kind of... They're just, yeah, I mean, they're good actions that just go on a bit too long. Mm. Um, this film could have been tightened up quite a lot, I think. It could. It could. It's the one thing that you wish they'd carried over from the 60s once is that it just should be 100 minutes. Yeah. If it was 100 minutes long, it'd be really good. Yeah. Um, um, but see, you know, Bond then now meets Columbo because his men come and save them and murder Charles Dance. Yeah. So he's gone. He gets shot in the back. And at this point, we're still thinking that Columbo's a baddie. But when he meets Columbo, it's Topol. Yeah. He loves pistachio nuts. <laughs> it's like his character thing. Yeah. You imagine going to Glenn and going, I've got this idea. I think I should love pistachio nuts. But again, Bond ends up forming an alliance with the Mediterranean crime boss like on a Majesty Secret Service. Very good. Yeah. Whose name was Falco, wasn't it? Yeah. And this is Columbo. But yeah, so he's very charming and avuncular. Uh, yeah. and, and, and he smuggles a lot of stuff, but he doesn't sell drugs to kids. No. Like Harris does. And, and Topol and his men are like... Uh, they're great banter. They, yeah. they love the cut and thrust of action. You imagine that they do the thigh-slapping dance sequences on, on the deck of the ship, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Around. Like Gilbert and Sullivan's <laughs> yeah. numbers. <laughs> I am the mid- you imagine Topol doing that, actually. You actually I am the mid- yeah. <laughs> uh, Also, we should mention that, that Bond had a mate called Ferrari as well. We've skipped over mm, him. Yeah. Uh, who died in a Lotus. I thought it was, I'd written that oh, Ferrari died in a Lotus. Irony. And also that Bond told Pierce Brosnan's wife that his cover was that he was writing a novel about Greek smugglers yes which fooled nobody but yeah yeah. Um, but I, I, should, I mean, just how often do you use that? Like, oh, I'm writing a novel about 
just shagging around the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm writing a banter novel. <laughs> I'm going on holiday with um, uh, Abs from Five. <laughs> I got it wrong. Is he from Five? Abs? I don't fucking know. And uh, Joe Slosh. We're going around the Mediterranean shagging as many birds as we can for ITV3. Uh, I should mention at this point there was a, a, a listener called Paul Wheeler who sent this in this uh, tweet to me, uh, right. which is making me laugh every time I watch this film. It's added an extra dimension, so thanks, yeah. Paul. Uh, well, he, well, he says, as a child, I would sweep up a bit of ketchup with my finger, taste it, consider it, and say to myself, more opium. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. And when I was watching this the other day, it made me laugh more. So thanks, Paul. Uh, I would actually love it. When he, when he does that, you would just love it if he went raw opium and then just fell over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And started having weird dreams. It's like that bit in The Detectives. Did you ever see the, the, yeah. the Jasper Carrot thing yeah. where they, they start eating all the oxo that's yeah. actually drugs? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they go mental. Um, yeah, so they, they, they take out this uh, big... Um, dockside thing with giant paper rounds mm. they run people over with a few that's, times that's a great I love that bit actually yeah. that was uh, yeah where they they seem to be uh, a disadvantage and then they just use this convenient enormous round thing and some pistachio it. nuts they come in handy yeah you see that's um, well see I don't know maybe but maybe it wasn't the script then maybe it was a vital to um, I reckon that's Topol I know Topol he probably said, look, yeah. what about if I throw my pistachio nuts? <laughs> and I could turn to my men and go, look, you all laughed at yeah. me for bringing pistachio nuts. But that's a good thing. Like, I remember when I was a kid, I had this book called The Spy's Guidebook, mm-hmm. the Osborne book, which was so exciting. A lot of it was just like using everyday things as like these spy tools. So stuff like that, where you kind of, someone would use something really just like ordinary in a really clever way, which yeah. really thrilled me as a kid. Yeah, no, definitely. But this spike then turns into Bond chasing Hexagon Glasses Man. Mm. And it's got one of those awkward moments where it's pitch black and then within about five seconds it's daylight. I, I actually, this is a moment when I, I went to my notebook to write something down and when I looked up I felt yeah. like I'd missed about five minutes yes. and I'd only missed about ten seconds. It sometimes <laughs> happens in films and, and it's one of those ones where it's quite distracting. You're just mm. like, hang on a minute, it was middle of the night a minute ago. I guess that's how it works in real life yeah. sometimes. Um, so he chases him and uh, there's the, he shoots him in the shoulder as he's driving at him. He sort of crashes a bit. He does an Italian job on the cliff. Mm. And uh, Bond kicks him off. Now, Roger yep. Moore says he hated doing this moment. Because oh, he right. says it's not his Bond. And he's right. Hmm. It's not his Bond. So he consoles himself by saying, it wasn't the kick that sent him over the cliff. It was me throwing the dove pin yeah. to the car. And that's how he consoled himself with doing it. You see, I actually thought, when, when he threw it in, having forgotten the film, I thought that was what was going to tip him over. Mm. Um, and I think it should have been. I think, I think that would have been right. I, I, I think that's the compromise they reached. So they wanted to make this tough bomb, so they made him kick the John Glenn right. clearly wanted to make him the tougher bomb. And I know at this point they had screen-tested Lewis Collins, and this mm. would have been a good Lewis Collins moment. Yeah. Kicking a fucking car off a cliff. <laughs> have that, you bastard, he would have said. Um, but yeah, so Roger Moore was a bit like, well, I'm not mm. sure, but yeah, the, the pin. Um, so that's the end of Glasses Man. And uh, he, he makes a joke about his death as well, which I can't remember now. No. No, uh, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but it, it wasn't very good, I remember that. It like, wasn't there, very there, good. there are some bad quips in there. So then Bond goes and meets Melania under the water. And you get yes. a very, very strange moment where she looks over because she's suddenly been joined to the bottom of the ocean by another person in a scuba mask. And you look over and it's 54-year-old Roger Moore. <laughs> and let's just say he doesn't look good in a scuba mask. No. It doesn't no. Cause He looked good for 54. Yeah. When you get something like that squashing your face, yeah. it kind of makes you look more wrinkly. And, um, and he smiles And the lighting, well. there's got the lighting on his face is very unflattering. And, yeah. Yeah, and also it's just a it's just a really odd moment because it's just like you know I wouldn't I would not go and if I'd arranged to meet you on a boat I wouldn't yeah. like go down and just tap you on the shoulder underneath you'd go no. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> she might have been holding a bomb. Yeah, she might have been I just know. using a huge bomb. <laughs> but they go and they they get the attack. 
Yes. And then, then they're attacked uh, yeah. by a big fat robot dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is another one of these things where like, they just get attacked from all angles because like, yeah. suddenly this other guy turns up in a, in a suit. From inner space. Yeah. yeah. I like the bit where the, the uh, Bond using the explosive device and clapping it to the back of his massive suit, which I rather like because his suit is so massive that he's got no idea what's on the back of it. Yeah. So sort of using his stupid massive suit against it. It's a good bit. It rather good. And you see lots of flowing dead people, which is always fun. Yeah. Water. And then um, they, are, they go back on the boat. But no, no, first they're, they're attacked by the tiny submarine. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's trying to drill through the window. Yeah, which is, I, I like that bit. And he keeps going, he's got all these little gadgets that keep yeah. poking at their sub in different ways. It's like, it's like he's got this sort of Swiss Army submarine. It's got all these little tools that come out of it that try and... I can't remember how they kill him. So you have completely forgotten. They, oh, they, they managed to grab onto his sub and they shove him into a hole in the sunken ship. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets stuck. And I think they just leave him, which yeah. is horrible, actually. So he just simply sits there running out there and then dies. It's not very nice, is it? It's not very nice, no, but, you know... It's not these, a cold, cold-blooded move. But, yeah, I don't know, these people have signed up. They know what they're, they know what they're getting in. He's on the payroll. Yeah. Um, but then they go upstairs, and then the parrot delivers some uh, plot. No, the, pl- the parrot doesn't deliver the plot yet. No, 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 what happens first is Julian Glover turns up again. And instead of just... This is, this is uh, another one where the, the silliness of Bond resurfacing, is that this is probably the most Austin Powers yeah. I could just shoot you through the head yeah. but so we're going to kill haul you kill haul you through some sharks which is from the living that die book yes which they know and they haven't they always wanted to use yeah. this and they couldn't fit it in so yeah. they they kept it it's a great bit actually it is a great bit but it does have a it has it, it's over elaborate when they could just shoot through yeah. the head and dump yeah. them in the bag it's got freaking sharks yeah uh, yeah. And then he just goes, he can't see them anymore. He just goes, oh, the sharks have them. Let's yeah. go. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they're dead. Let's not check. Well, actually, it's a good bit of um, plotting here. But when he bumps into Melina earlier on under the water and taps her on the shoulder and scares her, yeah. they both swim up and she leaves her breathing equipment down there. And, I, and, I, and my wife said to me at the time, she'd left her equipment. What'd she do that for? And they went back to it later after they yeah. freed themselves from the keelhole. So it's actually yeah. a very good bit of plot. It is very good. It's so, it's so good I didn't actually realise that's what it was. Mm. I would think I hadn't noticed that she left it there or yeah. gone. And then when they went back, I thought, oh, well, oh, they just found out. Yeah, so he thinks because they haven't come back up that they're dead. They must be dead. So right. they go back on the boat, and that's where the parrot, Mr. Cadbury's parrot, yeah. delivers. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he gives them the important information. I love the fact that he gives them this vital information. And then Q says, yeah, but there's like 200 churches with that name in yeah. Greece. But then it turns out there's one that has special significance to it, so they find that one. Which is at the top of a fucking enormous column of rock. Yeah. Is that a real thing? I think it is, yeah. It's not a map painting. I'm pretty sure it's a real thing. I've also you get Q turning up in his disguise. Why does he need a disguise? <laughs> Why is he wearing a pretend beard? <laughs> does it matter that he's got a beard? <laughs> But so, no one knows who Q is. He's not an agent. No. He's just some bloke. Just an old man wearing a priest's <laughs> outfit in a chair. They're not going to go, hmm, hang on a minute, take that beard off. You're not quartermaster with the stupid fat hands, are you? <laughs> um, but yes, then you get the good line, fear me rather, for I have sin. Yeah. That's putting it mildly devilish. Yeah. It is a bit of a comedy business at the expense of the film because it does feel like there's a few bits towards the end here, mm. which is true of all the Glenn Bond films, yeah. where they all feel like they've slowed down a bit yeah. towards the end uh, when they should be speeding up. Yeah. And you get that with the, the search for the device is a little bit too slow and the tension goes out of it. And then this as well, it's like, actually, just go straight there. As soon as mm. the parrot tells you, you could just cut this bit and then go straight there. Yeah. You know, Topol tells you 
what would signify the and they just turn up. And they have quite a nice sequence, but again, I think it could be a bit swifter of him climbing up the rock yeah, with his um, shoelaces, which bothers me a lot. Yes. He takes off both shoelaces. Yeah. Now, I think there's, I've got genuine shoe concerns <laughs> because they'd be falling off every millisecond. Yes. Every time his foot moved, because he's wearing like, it was like a pair of Converse, I think. Yeah. And every time he moved his foot, they just flap off. I know. That's not what you want when you're climbing an enormous column. Not really. Um, or even when you get to the top. He has no. a couple of fist fights. This is, actually, that's a good point. That you, so clearly we have no shoelaces for the yeah. rest of the film from this point yeah. on. Yeah, they would they, fall off immediately. Do they, maybe there's a class in spy school where they, they teach you how to cope without shoes. So maybe they relace themselves via Q gadgets, like yeah. when tyres reinflate in some bomb films. Or off screen, you use some bindweed. Mm. that you mm. found on the top to, to tie them back together. That, well, let's go with that. They should have done that. That would, you know, that would have slowed the film down even further, but I think it would have been good if you'd found some bindweed. Also, Bond's look at the end here is not great, is it? He's got a jumper and a gilet. <laughs> it's not exactly rugged. No. It's like he's about to go and do a, a talk at the Reader's Digest. <laughs> ben Fogel, sort of. Yeah. Ben actually, Fogel's dad. Yeah. Coming to watch him yeah. at a, a show. I'm just suddenly that maybe Ben Fogel's whole look and personality is based on Roger Moore at the end of this film. He wishes. Trying to base it on that, yeah. No, Roger Moore has never taken LSD and wanted to jump out of a window. Though. <laughs> <laughs> or get in a bag. I, if anyone's ever heard the Ben Fogel, I, t- I, I got spiked by LSD story, you should look it up. It's not funny. No. It's, it's, it must have been horrible for him, but it's yeah. funny. <laughs> he wanted to get in a bag, Eddie. He wanted to get in a bag. What kind of bag? I don't know. He just says, I wanted to get in a bag. And he oh, so, jump like, so hang on. Was it a, so was it just an abstract thing that you just wanted to get in a bag? It wasn't a specific yeah. bag. It was just a sense of wanting to get in a bag. Maybe it was like bagism. Yeah. You wanted to get in yeah, like, yeah, like, and kind like, of go, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Cut holes in the bag symbolically or something. Something like that. Plant yeah. an acorn. Split uh, up the beetles. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> not good to so anyway, yeah. uh, getting back on track. Yeah. Um, the, the henchman got killed by being a fucking idiot. Yeah. He picked up a giant flower pot mm. and then fell out of a window <laughs> or did he get kicked out of a window I can't remember now I've got to be honest by this point watching all these Bond films again I always find that I stop writing during the end because I'm just like I, oh I'm really enjoying this but this one I was just like oh, when is this going to end <laughs> it does go on a bit and yeah. like, we go back to and let's say I'm glad that we go back to BB and I do, it's mm. quite funny that yeah I love the fact that like, she sort of, at this point when, when Uncle Ari suddenly starts saying we're going to move to Cuba Uncle Ari why have we suddenly moved to this monastery on the top of a massive rock column and why are we moving to Cuba yeah yeah she does start to twig that something he might be a great bank robber yeah I mean yeah. a train robber sorry like moving all around mm. like Buster Edwards Things, yeah Cuba's not actually known for its ice skating facilities really. is it no perhaps they were going to do a new version of Cool Runnings but South American with ice skating yes so yeah the, the, the henchman dies mm. and then you have the Russians turning up to buy the attack machine yeah Gogol our mm. friend Gogol is in every pretty much every Bond film our yeah. Russian friend he arrives I to see, buy it because there's a good I do like the bit when they introduce him at the beginning and he's just kind of getting a bit sexy with his with his secretary it's just like you do get the sense of like this is Bond world where all secret services are just obsessed with sex it's just like kind of libidos everywhere yeah it's like on the buses yeah it's like cross between on the buses and Doctor Strangelove yes (laughs) yes Except no custard pie fights at the end. No, that's their loss. There is their loss. Yeah. So yeah, um, then um, Topol murders Julian Glover yeah. with a flick knife. Yes. Not both. And then he picks up BB, doesn't he? He does. Actually, She's yeah. like, oh, I love you, Topol. Yeah, so it's oh, phew. So that, that, I mean, to be honest, you know, as I said, I do like BB, but I wouldn't have been fretting about who her sponsor is going to be. I think we've all had that. When you when the girl or someone really likes you and then they move on, you're like, yeah. oh, thank fuck. Especially, you know, when she's clearly um, jailbait. 
But so anyway, so she's going to be so she's going to be trained up by the nice crime lord. She's instead. going to be Columbo's gal. He's going to teach her if I were a rich man <laughs> and talk to her about Flash Gordon. <laughs> I remember the Beatles. She loves you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of see what they're trying to do with the finale here and have it a bit more low key and focused on real things. You say that. A, I mean, it's low key for Bond. Isn't but it? then he phones Mrs. Thatcher. Well, hang on, hang on. Well, yeah, so. With the with the but with the actual like yeah. action finale. No, I agree. I yeah, agree. and I can see what they're trying to do, but there is a bit of a. It could do with something a bit more. Like you're not really sure. You know that if the Russians, if they get the attack, they'll be able to do things, but we don't know that they will. Yeah, they'll be able to tell our submarines to, to attack our own cities. Our but will they? I mean, why would they do that? It means yeah. they can. Yeah. So maybe there might be a situation where that might be useful to them. Well, I guess during the Cold War, you wouldn't want the Russians getting their hands on anything. Well, you wouldn't. But it does kind of mean that there's. The climax is a little bit vague. It's a bit like, what is going to happen exactly? I don't know, it's just a bit... You suddenly get a bit, oh, kind of... You know, we actually maybe could do with a massive laser in this finale yeah. or something like that. You know? But Bond gets philosophical, doesn't he? Because he says... Um, he throws oh, off I the cliff. Have it. You don't have you it. You don't have it. Yeah. And, and, like, and, yeah, the Russian guy just goes... <laughs> <laughs> well played, um, Mr. Bond, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of, I don't know, it's sort of nice, but at the same time, you kind of go, oh, well, that didn't really matter then, did it? But as you say, I quite enjoyed... I mean, if it had been tightened up a bit mm. and perhaps and it's sacrilege to say but perhaps a new bond installed mm, because it feels yeah. like it's a, a start of a new bond with the visiting Tracy's grave at yeah, the beginning and everything yeah. um, perhaps it could have worked with it mm. being a bit tighter but it's still fun it is still fun it is, yeah I mean, it's, it, the, the fact that it's not as ludicrous can lead you to think oh it's not as much fun as the others but but, but then you get the we're going to phone Mrs Thatcher yeah uh, that's just appalling it is appalling especially and John Wells walks on as Dennis and just sort of stares at the camera and also Q <laughs> gets badly treated here right yes because Mrs Thatcher's on the phone to the parrot as we mm. know saying Mrs. give Thatcher us a kiss Mrs Thatcher is too stupid to know she's on the phone to a parrot yeah she thinks James Bond talks like this <laughs> give us a kiss <laughs> oh he's an amazing spy yeah so she's like oh Mr Bond and then M turns to Q and says you idiot it's not his fault he didn't put the parrot there it's just because he's got a fat hand they all pick on him but yeah the thing is if, if you're saying, oh, we're putting you on the phone to our top secret agent who's just resolved all this and you're going thank you give it a and you'd be thinking who is it we just have gibbering idiot it's Joe Swash <laughs> they're obviously still on their ITV3 series of shagging around the bed <laughs> but, um, they should have done a spin-off about the power actually they should have done yeah. Yeah, yeah they were thinking of doing a spin-off for um, Halle Berry's character Jinx weren't they mm. So they should, if they thought her was worthy of a spin-off, the yeah. parrot's more worthy because <laughs> he contributes to the film. Yeah, he does. He does actually help resolve the plot. But yeah, I agree. It's sort of uh, like a few of these ones. Uh, it, probably, if it was was not, if it wasn't a Bond film, mm. it probably wouldn't get much remembered today. But then no. that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's like it's uh, you watch it because it is a Bond film. Yeah, the fact that it's Bond does add something to it. Uh, I think. I think a lot of reason people forget about it or not. I don't like it as much is because it takes all you have the excitement of Moonraker yeah. and it brings it all down to earth and yeah. makes it back to basics and I think people didn't want that well it's a funny thing actually because people always say that's what they want from Bond yeah. but I'm not sure they do they want a, they want it in the middle they want yeah, the they spying do. and the gadgets yeah but it is I mean I, I respect the fact that they were trying to make a proper film one thing that's come up a lot when you've been talking about the Moore film the word weird has come up quite a lot and they yeah. do exist in their own weird world and they don't follow proper rules of actual scripting structure or anything like that no no not at all and it does feel like they've gone oh you know when you watch like From Russia With Love or in a Majesty Secret Service and they're like proper film 
like like films that are just normal films that you watch, and mm-hmm. not just like weird Bond films. Let's try and make a film like that, and they have tried it, and they kind of they succeed. I think so. It's got everything you want from a Bond film, but underwater sequences, yeah. skiing sequences, some good action scenes, mm-hmm. some good driving. Yeah, it's scenes. got good car chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it just doesn't quite. I, as I said, I think it's just too bloated in terms of pacing. It yeah. slows down a lot every now and then. It does, and if they just kind of really rattled it on, there's a way that something like You Only Live Twice just moves, moves, moves all the well, way. If you look at something like, for instance, Goldeneye yeah. or Casino Royale, actually mm. both Martin Campbell films, mm. they just fly straight through. I mean, yeah. Casino Royale gets a bit bloated at the end, but mm. up until then, it yeah. doesn't stop, and this needs that. And it feels like they're nearly there. Like I say, you do have this thing of like, it does feel like they've, they've gone like, okay, we need to keep putting Bond in peril, let's keep mm. doing that. Mm. And they do keep doing that, but they, they, they sort of forget towards the end of it. Okay, well, we're at the point where I ask you the quickfire questions. Okay. Eddie Robson, are you ready? I am ready. Excellent, here we go. So, in your opinion, who is the best Bond, and what is the best Bond film? I wasn't sure how I was going to answer this, mm. but I just feel like I'm going to have to say Roger Moore. And I just, I'm not just saying that for sentimental reasons, I'm saying because, like, I mean, you and I both grew up in that era when TV premieres were a big thing and home video was just coming in. <clears throat> and more was Bond during that, and it was just it just seeped into your consciousness. But yeah. I think the first one I saw was Octopussy, and I would have been about nine. Yeah. And then I saw The Man with the Golden Gun, and that was just what hooked me into it. And for a while after that, I didn't have a video, so I would just watch them whenever they were on. I'd obsessively. They were on a lot. Yeah, they, they were on quite kids. a lot. They'd just be like they'd do a run where they'd just pick three or four off the shelf and just run them week after week. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'd already been fascinated. I mean, when I was a kid, when, uh, when I was six, I hadn't even seen View to a Kill, but I'd, I think I'd seen the Duran Duran video, so I was mm-hmm. aware of it. And I set off for this poster with Smith, Chris, Roger Moore, climbing the Eiffel Tower with Wolf PPK. Yeah. Awesome poster, yeah. which made the film look much more exciting than it is. Yeah. And I had that on my wall for like three years before I even saw a Bond film. And I just kind of fell in love with the idea of him and yeah. the idea of him as Bond. And, you know, my son's nine, and I would never take him to see a Daniel Craig Bond film because they're just not, it just mm. doesn't feel like a film you would show a nine-year-old. But mm. somehow more, just because he was so charming and uh, avuncular, you know, he just, he squared the circle of he's a ruthless killer, but he's also kind of cuddly and nice and you feel safe with him. And as, as a nine-year-old kid, it was like, it was a bond that you could just completely, you could go with. And it it felt like your dad was bond. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I love him. And it's, that's kind of what's come out this week with him just having died, is that everyone just went, you know, he just, he just seemed great. I mean, mm. you can make the case for other ones, but come on, if you were going to say, uh, who's the bond you'd go for a drink with or invite to your dinner party? It would be more because he's just... He just always seemed like... You felt like you'd always feel good about yourself when you were with him. And he had he all made, the stories. He had all the stories. He was so charming. So, such a great raconteur. Hmm. Um, but he just... And he, he carried the property across the bond that, like, you just... You know, you just felt like you could go with him and feel good about yourself when you were with him. Absolutely. Okay, um, so I didn't say what my best one thought was. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say uh, Honor Majesty Secret Service, which 20 years ago, when I formed that opinion, it felt like a fringe opinion. Yeah. And it turned out that loads of other people thought the same thing. Yeah. It's like once we got over the idea that you couldn't say that because Lathan B was not a great bond, mm. once we got over the idea of that, you actually go, yeah, it's a fucking great film. Yes, it is. So, in your opinion, who is the worst bond and what is the worst bond film? Uh, see, funny, I think probably. Um, I think probably the worst one is actually the first one I saw. I think I think Octopus is maybe my least favourite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is fairly bad. Die Another Day is quite bad. But the weird thing is I enjoyed Die Another Day when I saw it, and I've never seen it again since. And mm-hmm. everything I think about it, I think, oh, that wasn't very good, that wasn't very good. And I realised it was complete rubbish, and I swept along with it at the yeah, time. So yeah. I don't want to see it again. The worst Bond... Oh, I don't really want to... I, don't, I, don't, I think I might go... For, I do like him as an actor, but I think I'll go for Dalton. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Okay, and who would you have as James Bond next? Who would I have as James Bond next? Oh, you know, actually, you know who I'd, I'd like to go for someone who could be really tough, but someone who'd like... I, I like the kind of poshed-up, working-class kid thing, so I'm going to say Joe Dempsey. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bond is full of stupid names like Money Penny, Small Bone, Good Head. Give me your best Bond lady name now. Uh, Priority Lane. Priority Lane. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I just came up with that. I was actually, I was on I was on my way to the airport to go to Venice, just uh-huh. like James Bond. Just like James Bond. Flying easy jet, just like James Bond. Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw the, yeah, because if you pay extra, you get the Priority Lane. And yeah. I thought, Priority Lane, yes. Pay extra for a... <laughs> pay, pay extra for Priority yeah. Lane. Uh, give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up the spy with the golden shed that's brilliant okay so uh, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between simon templar the saint and james bond 007 who wins uh, I think uh, I think Bond wins. The Saint, he, I always got the impression that he would be a bit too gentlemanly. Like Bond pretends to be gentlemanly, but he's not, he's a bastard. Yeah. So I think he would just be more of a hand. Excellent. And finally, uh, you're stranded on a desert island with Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails... Who do you eat first? I think you definitely uh, elect more because uh, I think you could get everyone on side. I think yeah. he he could charm everyone. I think you could get everyone pulling together more yeah. than anyone else could. And if it fails, who do you eat? Um, Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to give a reason. No, that's fine. That's fine. Well, Eddie Robson, thank you so much. Thank you very much for joining us on this yeah. episode of Smash Pod. Thank you. Uh, do follow Eddie on Twitter. He's great. And also, again, just to re-emphasize, to dedicate this episode to the late Sir Roger Moore. Thank you.